The blast from our past network. Hot ride! Hot ride! Hello, Newman. This is so f***ing good! Nothing for you! These pretzels are making me thirsty! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Serenity now! He's a re-gifter! Well, let's start the insanity. Giddy up. Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are two super fans giving you every episode of Seinfeld back to back to back because we love that stuff and we know you love it just as much as we do. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And this episode we are giving you season three, episode 14, The Pez Dispenser. This episode aired on January 15th, 1992. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) That was a good segue. It was a good year, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Corey, could you give us the synopsis on this episode? Uh, burr, burr, burr. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the Pez Dispenser. Jerry's Pez Dispenser makes Elaine laugh during George's new girlfriend's recital. George wins the upper hand in his faltering relationship with her after performing a preemptive breakup. Guys. That was a weirdly written tongue twister. I don't know why I had such problems with that one, but yeah. it was uh, it was to the point. It did pretty much nail yes. all the uh, all the things except for the intervention. Yeah, that was the gist. Yeah, there's a lot more to that episode, and that's why we do scene breakdowns. We don't just give you the synopsis and then end the podcast. Well, that was a good synopsis, everybody. Let's. Uh, uh, you know, where can we find you out in this uh, whole internet, Corey? <laughs> that's actually a funny a funny idea for a podcast. It's like it's like every episode is five minutes, and you. Just just uh, read the synopsis on IMDb and see what kind of movie it is or something. Yeah. <laughs> and every episode's five minutes long. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, all right. So per usual in this episode, we start off with a stand-up bit. This one being about perfume. Yes, perfume. What is wrong with me? Yes, perfume. <laughs> perfume. Perfume. <laughs> My peas are having problems today. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jerry has this stand-up, and he's like, women put uh, put on perfume in interesting ways. They have, like, their key areas around the body, and, of course, he kind of, like, you know, points to them and everything. And he's like, places they think we're going. And he's like, they always hit these, uh, these areas, and, like, the wrists specifically. And he's like, this is the most action-packed areas in dating. Um, and he's like, uh, you know, but why the wrist, right? Like, why do they put it on the wrist? Is that because like, if they slap somebody, they're going to be like, going to be intrigued by it. And they're like, Oh, Chanel. And it's one of those, you know, stand up bits that we've talked about before with Jerry, where the answer is they put it on their, their wrist so that you don't get it on your fingers and like rub your eye and everything. You put it on your wrist and then you put it around your body just to kind of keep it that way. And also when you reach for something, it kind of gives the, uh, you know, the smell and everything. But Jerry's facial expressions and sort of the way he delivers the mm-hmm. lines, I actually rather I did enjoy the, the stand up because of it. It's one of those ones where you really have to like see him do it to, to appreciate it. That was the first time I heard that they put it on their wrist to keep it off their fingers. I didn't know that that was a thing. Ah, yeah, that's what I've been told, at least. And it makes okay. logical sense to me. So that way you don't like kind of get it on your hands. You kind of put it on your wrist and then you rub it in different spots. Uh, call me an idiot because, I, I mean, I thought Jerry was right on the money. It's like, why the fuck do they think it's a wrist thing? I mean, because, like, honestly, I've put cologne just on my wrist because I thought that was a place you're supposed to fucking put it when I was younger. Uh, I would just like put it on my wrist. I'm like, all right, got my cologne on. Yeah, like I this is where I, I was it. supposed to move it elsewhere. Oh shit. Uh, okay. It, well, it I mean, has, I think it's a, I think it's a funny stand-up for sure. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I actually really enjoyed the stand-up. I thought the observation was was funny. Yeah. I was like, you know what? That's fine. I I really liked it. I will say though that I have kissed uh, a person you know with with perfume on their neck and ugh, i hate perfume <laughs> yeah. man it's gross yeah. i i agree i agree uh it's for smelling not tasting <laughs> yes yes <laughs> they should put that on the ad <laughs> uh yes much like the beach <laughs> yes much like the beach okay <laughs> like good job uh, buddy. all right so we're at the apartment. George is excited about this woman that he's dating. She is a pianist. Uh, again, I, I like his little creation of the Volstein. You know, <laughs> 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 I mean, it's good. It's good, George. He's he's nice and excited about this lady. And he did a crossword puzzle puzzle with her, and he 
I don't know. It's the best day he ever had. That's a pretty sad best day that you've ever had. But you know, it's cute. Anyway, he's 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 excited. He's romantic. Um, I really love when Jer- Jerry comes out of the bathroom and he's like, "What did you say?" <laughs> like George is on this entire rant about this lady, and this is all we've seen so far. And then Jerry comes out. It's like what? And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's you know. Very relatable. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, he also, they also kind of like just, they kind of mess with each other just a little bit. Um, you know, it's just funny them being good old friends. Uh, but the main thing here is that George is kind of upset that he doesn't have any hand in the relationship. He has no power. He feels, you know, she's got all of the upper hand because, you know, he's a nobody. He's got no job or whatever. But she's this awesome pianist. You know, he, he just holds her in this very high, high light. And so she has all the power in the relationship. Yeah, and when he's talking about hand and everything, I loved how Jerry was like, "Can you hand me that coke over there?" It's it was <laughs> yes. kind of reminded me of the subway episode where George was talking to the lady and he was like, "And I never looked back." And then the ho- oh, the horn honked and he then looked the, back immediately. Yeah. It was a nice little yep. like play on words at the expense of George, essentially. Yeah, it's good. I mean, they do some of that. Uh, to great effect this episode. Yes, this episode, I, I mean, we'll, I'll just say it real quick right here. It, it's all, there's so much like juxtaposition humor in this episode mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. Um, but we'll talk about it when we get there. I, I do want to make one quick note that I was thoroughly disgusted by the fact that Jerry was sitting on his couch and putting his foot with his shoe on the cushion. <laughs> <laughs> that disgusts you? Yes. I'm a huge shoes off inside the house person. So, like, oh, that just immediately. Yeah, you are. Like, but you are. Especially since Jerry, like, he goes to clubs and everything. So, you know, he goes and uses the yeah. urinal in the back and, you know, guys pee all over the floor. So, yeah. that pee is now on his uh, couch. Way before Poppy. Eh. <laughs> I mean, I don't put my shoes on the couch if, if for any reason I'm doing it I let my, my feet dangle over so the shoe isn't on there but I will put my shoes you know with them on on top of like if I'm sitting leaning back onto my coffee table does that bother you? yeah that's gross <laughs> of course, I you know, if food spills on the coffee table, I'll still eat it off the coffee table. That doesn't really bother me. But the coffee table gets cleaned probably more than the couch does. Yeah, no, that's true. That I don't know. True. You know what? I don't really know. I'm just kind of assuming that my wife cleans the coffee table. <laughs> she may not. Uh, I mean, who, who, who wipes down a coffee table all that much? Because I know I'm not doing it. I, so. I only do it because it kind of collects a lot of, like, weed bud uh, <laughs> pieces yeah, okay. and, and particles, for me at least, in, in our weed-centric yeah. household. <laughs> See, I don't have that in my house so i don't i don't yeah. we don't have that issue so i feel it's a lot cleaner other than the pee and poop that's on my shoes that apparently probably get on there exactly <laughs> so, exactly all right uh george invites jerry and elaine to her next recital uh kramer comes in and he's kind of all excited he smells like the beach kind of getting people to smell him getting jerry to smell him he apparently joined this polar bear club which is a bunch of usually old old men that go swimming in uh cold weather you know any bodily cold cold weather bodies of water um, and i feel and, like that was kind of just starting its popularity like back in the early 90s kind of like how uh, later on the the intervention too i think it's it's two things that are i think at the time very like new and zeitgeisty basically maybe i i always assumed particularly with interventions i didn't know interventions became a thing you know i I didn't know that they were like a newer thing because that's what's apparently as a whole you know we'll get to that but i just you know i guess just because from me growing up i always assumed interventions were a a normal thing and and not a normal thing i mean i haven't gone through a lot of interventions (laughs) you know what i mean people (laughs) no i i totally knew it know what you mean because for me the same thing like like honestly it like if you go and, like, look at the quote-unquote history of jogging, like, jogging as mm-hmm. a thing, like, what your wife does, well, she runs, but, the, the I, like, people did not do that, like, before the 70s and, like, 80s. Like, but we grew up in just, I just assumed everyone jogged since the start of time, and that's how people wow. kind of kept in shape. But, no, that that was, like, a new thing. So, yeah, it's, it's because, weird to yeah. think about these things that exist or didn't exist before our time, basically, that are so, like, normal. Well, which it's, we've had to start doing it because we've all gotten fatter, and so we yeah. have to try and counterbalance it. Ugh. That's because there's more and more processed food, and, and that's all yes. that. That's my thought, yes. anyway. We don't need to get into that discussion and all that kind of <laughs> shit of stuff that made made me fat and why I'm angry at everything. Um, <laughs> let's just let's just talk about Seinfeld, please. I, in, in your defense, I am grabbing my own fat in anger while you're saying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Oh, woo! To be obese. <laughs> to what start. a good time, sir. <laughs> All right. 
Anyway, Kramer, uh, Kramer also has this Pez dispenser. It's a little Tweety Bird Pez dispenser. And Jerry's all, like, super excited about it. Uh, Kramer ends up giving it to Jerry, which is he's apparently bought five of them at this flea market, which we get a funny little thing about George never being to a flea market and him taking it literal of what they of what they are. He thinks and Jerry calls him out on it, you know, thinking that there's fleas there, um, which also Jerry calls him Biff at this moment. And this is something that we've mentioned we want to start tracking because it's something that I think happened just a couple episodes ago. Maybe it was. Yeah. Um, as a start of a I, thing. But he is. I think it started hmm. on the subway episode. Was that when it started? I believe it might have been. Yeah, I don't remember. I'd have to do some do like a little quick search on my notes, which but, I can do. But it, I mean, it did. We we do know it did start this this season, and this uh, it season started yes, within absolutely. the last like it was started within our last recording session. So that means within the last two episodes. And uh, but yeah, I, I tracked that because, and I was like, okay, I bet Adam's going to pick up on that one too. It is, and it was it was the subway yeah uh, episode, which was the one right before this. So this is the second uh, use of Biff, which will happen a couple more times to my yes, to, at least to my recollection. Exactly, and so, and if you course, guys go back and you yeah. remember the subway episode, yeah, I I wasn't aware of it, and I'm glad you pointed it out, and now I'm excited to track it. So like when I heard yeah. it in this, I was like, ooh, like my ears kind of like you know perked up a little bit because I I would have missed it had we not had that conversation last episode mm-hmm. about it. Oh, and yeah. real quick because so. I I feel like um <laughs> the I want to ask you right off the top, do you think Kramer's beach idea is a good is that a good idea the the cologne smell? What do you think? Because Jerry thought it was. Yeah, uh, and then we'll get the marketing guy later vehemently disagreeing. And then again, we'll get a whole other thing later in another episode, which is I, I'm excited. I, I can't remember when that episode is going to be, but I'm excited to get there to bring this this whole storyline to an uh, you know to its own conclusion. Um, so you know, to me, when I think the beach, I don't think you know gross wet dog smell and other stuff. I mean, or seaweed and other crap. You know, I do think like yeah, it's it's nice and you know airy, sunny, light, sandy, windy. Um, I think it's a, it's going to be a very, um, light smell. I don't think it's going to be a heavy beach smell, but granted when I think beach, I think Florida and California beaches. When a New York person thinks beach, they think of like New Jersey, Atlantic city, gross. Like those are gross beaches. Those are fucking disgusting beaches. Yeah. Um, they need to, like, I think of beautiful, calm, serene places. So to me, it's nice where I could totally see where a, a you know, a, a nor'easter kind of person or whatever New England-y New Yorker person would probably be less inclined to find that as a, as a wonderful smell. Yeah. No, I, I think the same way. I think it's a good idea if you refine it. Like, it can't smell mm-hmm. like a Jersey Shore beach, but I think yeah. you can make it smell like a an ideal version of the beach. And quite honestly, I think it's a damn good idea, which I think yeah. they've even made it into a real perfume nowadays. If, I think I've <laughs> seen it before on, on yeah. names and whatnot. But, um, oh, my uh, God. Say that again. On <laughs> <laughs> say it, I, every time you say this, I'm going to call you out. Because I know. You're so ridiculous how you pronounce it. <laughs> I know. Memes? Wait, what is it? Memes. There you go. Memes. Memes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a meme or any memes, but yes. Now, and you say memes. I don't, I just, how does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, getting back to the episode. Oh, I, I kind of wanted to go on a little rant about flea markets. Um, <laughs> was, or just, I mean, did you ever think the same thing when you were a kid, like George is thinking? Uh, you know, maybe when I was like five, but yeah, then really I figured tired, yeah. it out afterwards. But I get where George is coming from because there's, I, we've mentioned it on here uh, in the Subway episode about gambling. I'm the same way. Mm. When I'll, I, I'm afraid of the response Jerry gave. Which is, you know what I mean? Like, I'm afraid of asking something like, hey, Adam, I don't oh. know what the, oh, what, what is over under mean? And then you look at me, you're like, what do you mean? You don't know what over under means? And I'm like 41. Gotcha. I'm like, no, no, I do. I, I know what it means. You know, like, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, I have the same thing, but just for different things. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I've been to many, many flea markets. Uh, so it never, I don't remember. Maybe, maybe, yeah, when I was like five or something, and I yeah. thought it was that. But uh, all right. Anyway, we are at the recital, and uh, we get a funny kind of back and forth early on about Jerry's clapping and how loud it is. I don't know. It doesn't really doesn't need anything, but it's it's funny. It's just more of their dynamic of being friends. I like it. 
Uh, once the concert is started, Jerry puts the Pez dispenser on Elaine's purse on top of her lap. And it makes Elaine bust out laughing. She <laughs> cannot stop herself. She physically has to remove herself because she's causing a disturbance laughing. She's really cackling, you know, <laughs> crazy loud. Um, and so she has to leave. It's obviously upset, you know, you can see kind of upset the uh, Noel, who's the pianist, George's girlfriend. Um, but Elaine goes outside and she runs into this dude named John just very, very randomly. Um, but, you know, he, they, that kind of brings in a whole nother storyline, our B storyline, basically. Yeah, our, our B storyline with, the, yeah, that yeah. guy who, that guy, uh, I forgot his name on the show, but they, he was the bartender at the old comedy mm-hmm. club. So I wonder if that was a reference to Michael Chiklis, like, in real life. Because uh, Michael Chiklis oh. on The Stranded, remember we talked about the fact yeah. that the reason he was on there is because he just was a bartender at the the oh. club that um, Larry David used to do stand-up at. Yeah, um, that's but right. I, it could be. But on, I honestly, know. I guarantee you a lot of stand-up comics kind of get to know the bartender at, at whatever club that oh, they yeah. go to. Um, but I do wonder if... Elaine losing her shit and laughing is an inside joke to her in real life doing that on takes and everything. And they kind of like mind that that was like the inception of it. Now I will say I watched the behind the scenes on this and they did not mention anything about that. So I'm just idly speculating. Yeah. I was kind of thinking the same thing just because that's something that we know and we've talked about. But um, I mean, either way, it's a funny moment. Yeah. Uh, But we get, so Elaine's talking with this guy uh, who apparently, his friend Richie, who Elaine and Jerry both know, um, is having a bad time on drugs. And, you know, she kind of brings up the idea of an intervention. We get some nice intercut moments. We kind of cut back to Jerry at the uh, recital. Um, at one point, you know, he's got the Pez dispenser, has its own little seat. Uh, that's super cute. And then another moment, which I think is just maybe one of the most clip show worthy moments of this entire episode, honestly, is when he's got the little Pez dispenser and he's holding it so tightly and he's doing a little clap with his fingers. I just fucking love that moment. That shot is so, it's so silly. Yeah. Jerry is so freaking silly. And I, I, I love how happy he is. I actually posted that on my Instagram a few days ago when I was watching the episode and taking notes. I was like, man, the, just just that energy, man. I want that, that vibe that he yeah. has right there. But... Uh, this is one of those, like, this whole episode is laden with, with very funny juxtaposition. So it's like, it comes on the tail of that guy saying, like, oh, you know, uh, uh, Jerry's very respected by that other comedian guy, mm-hmm. the one they want to mm-hmm. do the intervention with. Jerry has to be there. He respects Jerry. And then they all of a sudden smash cut to Jerry laughing and, you know, uh, doing the thing with yep. the, the Tweety Bird. Just to show that Jerry's not anyone that you, you should <laughs> respect at all. Yeah. He, as we've said a uh, hundred times, I think, on this podcast already, and we certainly don't even have a hundred episodes, he's a man-child. Yes. You've said man-child so yes. many times. And this just shows that further. Yeah. All right, quick, quick question. Yeah. Are they at a high school? Is that where they're at, it looks like? Or is it just like a, a concert hall type of thing? Yeah, small concert. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I did not play. I just In my head, it's just yeah. some random little concert area. So. Um, all right, Elaine and George and Jerry are kind of now outside Noelle's like backstage dressing room, um, waiting to try and go see her after the show. And there's some conversations that they all it's kind of randomish conversations going on right here. But it all flows great. It all flows great. And the only thing that I really want to point out is there's a, I love just some of like the quick little things uh, timing wise and um, how things are said also pacing wise where Jerry just kind of at some point he kind of distracted himself with the with the Pez dispenser and how difficult it is to load. <laughs> I just it's just this Pez dispenser causes such distraction through the entire episode. I just I find that hilarious and just it, it is very well paced and timed and even edited. Yeah. Uh, and so I appreciate it. I, I 100% agree with you um, on that scene. I, I actually, I just watched the episode again today. There was a little bit of a gap in between when we recorded the, the uh, when we were going to record and mm-hmm. uh, and now. And so I was like, you know what? Because I had some time to kill for you to get when you were getting ready. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to rewatch the Pez dispenser. And uh, man, every time it was just like this scene. I love this scene. I love the way it's paced. Mm-hmm. I love the way it flows. I love Jerry's little distraction and everything. It's just a yep. it's a fun scene, and it feels natural. It feels very, very yep. natural. Although I will say, 
I was not like I didn't think <laughs> cutting to the chase was not that bad of a phrase. I think he, I think yeah. George used it correctly, and I think it was fine for that situation. But I do like how George sheepishly kind of like backed away when well, when Jerry, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think George unnecessarily asks them to cut to the chase. They're just having a random conversation, which is totally okay. They shouldn't have to stand outside of her dressing room in silence. Well, he was waiting know? to knock. Like he was waiting for them to finish so they I could guess go to talk in. about. You know. Yeah, well, or you just fucking knock, and they'll stop the conversation when she opens. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Jerry, George is just, he's stupid neurotic, but he's, again, he right now, he's overly worried. He has got no hand. You know, he's just, he's uh, he's freaking himself out, of course, and he just went through this bad situation where he knows his girlfriend is going to be, you know, very upset. He knows so, he's walking into um, a, a minefield. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, so we kind of previously brought up the, the the pacing and just like the time to edit and the jokes, how they're landing. So they go in, they see Noel. Um, you know, she's obviously upset about the person laughing. Uh, and I want to call out, I love this joke. It's just perfectly timed and everything is great about it. Uh, the delivery is when she says, uh, or Elaine is like, you know, oh, well, I'm sure that person, whoever was laughing, you know, she's trying to cover her own tracks, um, you know, didn't mean to do it. And she says, well, what was she laughing at? And Jerry immediately, or at this time, offers her Pez, says Pez, <laughs> which on screen, it looks like, you know, he's just offering her Pez. But all of us audience, we know what was she laughing at. She was laughing at Pez. And it just flows. The flow of that entire scene is perfect. Yes. A hundred percent agree with you. I absolutely loved how that played out. I love how every aspect of this scene keeps playing out. Yeah. And, and continuously, uh, another moment I think is great is <laughs> when you get the whole, I don't know, what is it? Like the psycho and the neurot, not the, what, what do they call each other? Jerry and Elaine both talking about the person oh, who oh, laughed. The mental, the, uh, the mental defect, the, the mental defective. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. mental defective. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that, that little thing where they're talking about the, this person who, you know, this, you know, figurative person in front of Noel, but knowing it's each other, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's so good. And then, the, and then the slap fight that George and Elaine get yeah. into, and it's, it's even to the point where, like, Noel, the actress, walks out of the door but doesn't, like, lock eyes with them while they're slapping. It gives them, the yep. actors, enough time to kind of, like, stop. It was just everything was was timed and and yeah. very like and I gotta say as good as the scene is with with all the three main characters those are they're at this point they're seasoned veterans I think the actors who played Noel did a great job like yeah. in this moment and kind of going with the flow and playing her character and letting these other jokes just flow around her basically yeah she was good. I actually looked her up to see if there was anything else I'd really noticed her in or whatnot because she, I, she, I agree. She was solid. There wasn't anything. She was on 23 episodes of the 90s show Flipper, um, which, no, no, I didn't really oh, watch that. Flipper <laughs> with, else. with the dolphin? With the dolphin? With the dolphin. They did a remake of the Flipper show with dolphin in the 90s. Jessica Alba was in it, and she was in like 40-something episodes. She was like <laughs> one of the main people. Okay. Hey, great. Yeah. That is wild. I never even heard yeah. of that. Um, side note, I was trying to explain to my wife about those old Ewoks TV movies that were on during the oh, 80s. Yeah. I just like, I couldn't. I was like, there's no Star Wars in them, but they're Ewoks. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I can't even explain it. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think she was in uh, the Lady George's uh, girlfriend. I think she was in like Terminator Salvation as some odd character in that. I saw that and I was like, and I don't know that movie well enough to kind of know well, who she was. No, no, no. I so that was I looked it up. That was you know you know on IMDb it says what are you best known for? And yeah. Terminator Salvation was her number one thing. I looked down. She played Roadhouse Club patron number two or number one or something like that. <laughs> okay. So she was an extra in that one. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> but never for some that. reason you know that was just I guess for some I don't know why it was called out that that was her best known <laughs> thing. <laughs> So. I gotta admit though, she uh, she does have crazy eyes in this episode. The the actress does a good job doing the crazy eye look. Yes. So, uh, all right. But she's uh, talking about her kind of I guess having crazy eyes. She's upset, um, and you know George is trying to you know get her to come out to join them for about bite to eat afterwards. Um, and Jerry and Elaine wisely leave the room, uh, and we see just how you know how much power she has in the relationship. And she just gives gives George the I said I don't. Feel like it, and George just kind of slinks. Uh, he's got no hand, and, and he kind of, you know, slinks away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a pathetic little uh, slinky mm -hmm. right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the same time, I don't 
blame her at this moment. She is upset that someone ruined her recital. Yeah. No, no. She. I so. do not blame her at all for any of this episode. No. No. And actually, she comes out looking very good and intelligent yeah. <laughs> and, and like the right person later. So, uh, all right. Uh, we cut to Monks. And we're not at their booth, which bothered me. We're, we're at the booth. Right beside it, basically, on the other side, where like the closer side, which is the weird side. I'm like, when you're supposed to be fucking over there, guys. <laughs> this is, yeah. Why? And like no one was even sitting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I noticed that, too. But I was like, at least they're in like the right area, though. Like the yeah. background is still sort, you know, more correct than than other places. But yeah, I'm with yeah. you. I'm like, why didn't you just just put them just put them in the right and, spot? And We've already been in the right spot before, yeah. and so I'm just like, why did we leave it? That, that's our spot now. <laughs> just exactly. come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they talk about Richie and you know him being hooked on drugs and things like that. We learned that Kramer might have been involved. Just <laughs> I like how kind of Kramer gets interweaved into this storyline too. Um, so that's nice. I mean. Uh, there's a lot of interweaving with this episode, and I'll talk to you right about the different storylines about how this this storyline affects these two people, and then this other one affects these other two people, but some of those people overlap. All that kind of stuff, I think, makes it work really well. I guess I, I can talk about that even a little bit later, but um, I like that. In particular, I like that about this episode. I, I am so, 100% with you on that one, buddy. So, all right, at the apartment, uh, Kramer wants to be a part of the intervention. Uh, Jerry doesn't think it's a very good idea. And George comes up, and here we get, you know, Kramer pushing the beach smell again. Uh, and he talks about his idea of um, the cologne being a smell. This is where he actually is talking about the beach as a scent for a cologne. We get, you know, George at this time, he's upset. He knows that the relationship is about to end. Um, and he brings up, uh, randomly, I don't even remember how he brings up this. Oh, because he was, he was trying to think of ideas of what to talk about, you know, because he's just being neurotic. And he brings up this drink, Postum. He yes. says, uh, you know, oh, why isn't Postum more popular? And I'm like... What the fuck is Postum? Yes, I so, had to I had to turn yeah. my subtitles on to see what he was saying because I, I heard it and I was like, what did he just say? And I rewound it and I was like, okay, I'm not picking up on it. Let me turn the subtitles on. I wrote it down. Did you look up what it was? It's like it's like an instant coffee kind of yeah. substitute, something like that. It's they call I mean, it, it doesn't look it's good. it's uh, like the Wikipedia or Google says a powdered roasted grain beverage popular as a coffee <laughs> substitute. Honestly, that sounds yeah. disgusting. <laughs> It does. I'm I'm not a coffee fan already, so something that tastes like shit coffee would probably be even worse. So it's for but me. it's a coffee substitute, so it's not coffee. Yeah. It's like no roasted, but it's a roasted grain. I don't know what grain it's made from. Then if it's not, yeah, <laughs> no, thank you. But then I like how Jerry was like, yeah, why isn't that more popular? Yeah. I do like how it it made him sort of ponder for a second. You know, yeah. I mean, this show does a ton of just these weird these weird references to things that I don't even know if they were topical at the time. You know, I feel like a lot, I feel like a lot of the stuff that they talk about were past their prime and that's why they're, they're, they're talking about them. Um, like I doubt, I don't, I don't know if Postum was in its prime in 1992. I don't know if Bosco was in its prime in, in the 1991, you know, shit like that. So you mean it's kind of like the equivalent of two guys talking about a 30 year old show on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But it's like you. Seinfeld is relevant, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but I'm saying it's like it's sort of like the equivalent of that. And I, I always kind of got this sense that like like you said, like Bazooka Joe and all that kind of stuff. It's it's I yeah. feel like it's Jerry and Larry kind of nudging each other in the writers' room, being like, "Oh, hey, you remember uh, remember Bazooka Joe? Yeah. You know?" And Jerry like probably doing something with a with a, a, a turtleneck, and you know, like I feel like in in this like postums, like I feel like Larry mm-hmm. and Jerry had a had a discussion about postums in real life, and it just yeah. makes its way, you know. But yeah, it's it's, it's all weird nostalgic kitschy kind is. of stuff, and I, I kind of figure it's got to be like. East Coast centric things uh, is what I yeah. always kind of figure, but I'm yeah. East Coast and I don't even know what some of this stuff is. No, it's 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 really their own version of member berries. You know, I've I've been on a South Park kick and it's very much like that whole exactly just that nostalgia. I'm like, oh, you and if you're, I bet 100 percent you've got to be right on where they're just like sitting in the writers' room and someone's like, 
And you remember post them? <laughs> what? Yeah. what the fuck? And then they just kind of like yeah. just add it in, you know? They're like writing an episode. Oh, just just add that shit in. Right, because I um, mean like like yeah. George could have had, you know, something like the first thing he has listed on his list of things to talk about is how he can go in reverse really well, which I think is funny. But <laughs> and then the second one is the post them thing. So you just know that like in the writer's room they're like, Hey guys, we need like three or four things that are just like stupid yeah. things that George can talk about. Just throw some ideas out. And someone maybe even just like had like, Hey, remember postums? Put that up there on the wall, you know? Like I, yeah. I, but I like that. I, it, it's, it's a fun little insight I feel into the mind, into the creative mind, or into the mind of the creators of the show. Basically, I like that kind of stuff. Honestly, it's weird. I oh, like yeah. the stuff that I don't understand because I feel like there's something there that that it gives it more mythos to me. I think you know. Yeah, it's it, it's one thing I don't feel I've done a great job of going and researching and like trying to track some of these things that I don't know. Um, like we have done a little bit like, yeah, with the Bosco or with the Bazooka Joe stuff, we some, and some of our listeners have really helped us out, figure out some of this stuff as yeah. well, which is great. Yeah. So if we miss any of them or we don't know them, please let us know. Cause it's a lot of fun. Like I'm going to try, if I hear some references that I don't know, I'm going to try and, um, research them a little bit and just be like, Oh, that's what that means. Cause otherwise <laughs> it's a joke that goes over my head, but then, you know, cause there's already, God, I already think the show is fucking hilarious and fantastic. And there's a whole sub level of jokes that I'm missing because I just don't know the, the what you know what they're referencing and if I can figure out what it is I'll probably find this show even fucking funnier man <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean if anything knowing what what postum is it only helped yeah. you know the the jokes so I was like okay <laughs> yes. that's great yeah I, dude I'm with you it man is. I love it I love finding out new layers to this to this amazing show <laughs> yeah all right so let's get back to really what the the big part of this scene is where Kramer you know, you know, he's there listening to it, and he tells George that he should break up with Noel because he George knows that he is going to be broken up with, and so instead he's going to do the old switcheroo. Yeah, um, which is and not another the old switcheroo. That's another good <laughs> idea by by Kramer. I mean, honestly, this show, yeah. this episode is uh, Kramer's ideas are both gold honestly and and you'll see later but i mean like it works like what george does and everything it works so like kramer's idea was was on point for both of them yeah exactly um so basically he thinks you know he says it'll reverse everything it'll give george the power give him the hand in that relationship he's got really nothing to lose so george is on board uh we cut to monks and with him breaking up with her you know he he's his um I don't know, just his his cadence and the way he's saying this is just so douchey. Yeah. Um, and she's obviously confused, and she immediately kind of becomes subservient in the relationship. And George, you know, he's getting that hand, and he immediately becomes an asshole. And we have talked about this before. I hate confident George. He is he is awful. Oh, I can't. I, I hate him right here. He's being a complete jerk to her. Yeah, no, you, you're completely right. I, and I remember the conversation. It was uh, it was the stock tip. We both hated yeah. George when he won. And you're right. I didn't. I actually didn't put those two together. But yeah, once he has hand, he technically is yeah. winning in the relationship, and he becomes the biggest piece of crap around. And I, yeah, I, that's just what George does. And yeah, you're right, dude. This actually this completely falls in line with his character. It's it's a hundred percent. And they tell. Yeah. Graphed it from season, uh, what was that, one or two? Stock tip? Um, doesn't uh, matter. Anyways, it's been telegraphed since one. the top. I think it was near, yeah. near the end of season one, yeah. Yeah, so it's so been yes, exactly. but since is, then. Yes, absolutely. I just want to say, I think, well, I, I want to find out later, seeing how many different of the George's girlfriends that I that I like the best and who I would want to date the most. Now, this lady is definitely has her own neuroticness of being, you know, maybe having a, a bunch of hand, but I think part of that is just George's own idiocy and his own neuroses but i think this this uh noelle's beautiful she's obviously talented i like crosswords i would do crosswords in bed yeah. uh and so i don't know i think i think right so right now obviously this is maybe one of the this is my favorite of george's girlfriends that i would want to date myself How that, about you, that? that we've seen thus far yes <laughs> thus far okay thus all right far. i'm i'm excited to to go down this rabbit hole with you my friend okay <laughs> okay <laughs> um all right we also uh, see Kramer pitching his idea of the beach uh, to this marketing guy at Calvin Klein, this guy who also knows Richie and knows the guy, John, who saw Elaine out in the thing. So we're, we'll still see him again later. But Jer, or George, not Jer, but Kramer is kind of, you know, giving his whole little spiel about the beach. And this guy doesn't like it at all. You know, I, I like his kind of like he does a good job of, you know, 
delivering some lines of like, you know, the beach. Who the hell wants to smell like the beach? That's why you take a shower after the beach. You don't want to smell like that. And to go back to your previous point, he's not wrong, but he's also mm. just thinking about it from the, you know, Jersey Shore perspective. He's not thinking about it from like maybe a different beach, you know, a more yeah. beautiful beach. But He's not wrong. I think he's a hundred percent correct in his in his yeah. point of view, and I, I I enjoyed it. Although I will say I don't think he's a good uh, um, uh, sitcom actor because he kind of talked over the 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 yeah. laugh track or whatever it was. He's you know? he's a little over the top. Yeah, a little over the top with some of yeah. his stuff. So, um, all right, at the intervention, <laughs> or uh, do you mean the s- interference? <laughs> yeah, or the interference. <laughs> uh, we see I don't know that John guy who's got like a you know, bloody nose thing up his nose yeah. and he's trying to hit on a lane that and guy's it's such not a working goober. for him. He is a goober, yeah. I'm glad we don't really see him again and there's nothing like, they, they kind of gloss over that whole him having a thing for a lane. It gets glossed over very quickly and I'm glad about that. Um, but we also see the Calvin Klein guy. Oh no, not the Calvin guy. I, I, he's there. But who I want to talk about is that random asshole who wants ice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. And I watched, like I said, I've watched this twice in like three days. And every time I keep thinking he's the guy that they're going to be interfering, but he's not. He's just one of the people there. So he's just an asshole. That's all he is. He's just an asshole. Well, it's warm. (laughs) I can't drink this. Who says that in someone else's home? I don't know. Yeah. The guy's a complete ass. Um so Kramer comes in, he invades the intervention slash interference, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, people don't want him there because Kramer's the guy that he got Richie to <laughs> to pour Gatorade over this dude who died and <laughs> because of it and got pneumonia or whatever it was. Uh, that's It's all kind of funny the way things tie together, um, which I guess is kind of another kind of little subtle tie-in, Kramer causing uh, Richie to pour something cold that, that got somebody killed. Kramer's polar bear guys come in. Yeah. Other cold liquids. Look how this ties in, my man. Oh, dude. It's, I did yeah. not even. Uh, wheels are turning. Yeah. Wheels are turning. <laughs> Good one, buddy. I didn't even yes. pick up on that one. But yeah, you're 100% correct. And the funny thing is, they said that the guy was like 67 years old. And then you see one of these older dudes roll in. Yeah. He's obviously around probably that age or so. And yeah. he's doing the polar bear club thing. Maybe that takes some of the responsibility off of Kramer's shoulders a little bit. You know, what I, do you know what I mean? Like it, it it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. it wasn't like a guarantee that if he poured Gatorade, the guy was going to die. Like, you know what I mean? But, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's interesting. That's definitely an interesting juxtaposition that I didn't even like notice or pick up on. Uh, me neither until I just saw yeah. it on my notes back to back. I was like, wait a minute, there's a thing there. Yeah. You see the uh, word cold like twice. And dude, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, all right. So someone buzzes and I love Elaine's response. Like, what do we do? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause nobody, they don't know what the hell to do. This is obviously all of their first intervention. <laughs> so. Well, I also love, there was like, right when the thing buzzes, there's like three shots of it just going to people's faces and they're all big eye, like their yeah. eyes are all wide and everything. It was very good. It was a very fun little yeah. cut, cut, cut like that. And then she's like, hide, you know, it, it was, it was a good, yeah. good play up, you know, it was a good build up, I should say, to the punchline of her saying hide. Uh, agreed. Uh, so, but George and Noel come up, you know, it's not Richie. Um, we're just kind of getting the, the start of this, I guess, quote unquote party or intervention going on. It's not a party. And <laughs> it's not a party. Uh, but one of the polar bears is talking to Elaine and Noel's sitting right next to him. And we get, I don't know, this just real grandpa joke about kangaroos getting pouch envy. <laughs> and it... <laughs> I, I what I don't know what it was, but man, that joke always lingered for me, <laughs> like just in a good way or a bad way. I actually I I liked it. I always thought it was kind of funny I, in a, in a grandpa I, sort of a way, you know. In a grandpa sort of, I don't know. I don't I don't find it to be a funny joke, okay. not at all. I, I I just don't find it to be humorous. You know, it's supposed to be a penis envy joke. Yeah. Um, which I don't I don't I don't know. I, I just also I think. Women have nothing to envy from us, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. Jesus, God. We're uh, gross. We smell, and we have weird dangly parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're hideous. They're hideous. There's <laughs> nothing to envy from them. Um, anyway, but Elaine, you know, at first, she thinks it's it's obviously not a good joke. But then because the old man, you know, you know, he, he old mans it so much, <laughs> yeah. she finds it. Yeah, she finds it funny, and she starts laughing. Noel hears her laugh. 
which she recognizes from the other night. And, um, you know, she now realizes it was Elaine, kind of all hell breaks loose with that situation. And so she ends up leaving and George is like, whoa, 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 what about this? I had hand. Where are you going? She's like, I am breaking up with you, flipping the way that he broke up with her. Um, And then, you know, I love his response, which is, you can't do this. I have hand. And and her rebuttal is, and you're going to need it. Woo! Oh, man. That, I mean, that is that is a harsh joke right there to George, but I love it. I mean, this 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 brought him back. This brought him back, not just to the pegs where he was at the beginning, but back a couple more. And that's where we want George to be, man. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. She swatted him right out of the sky. Like, like King Kong knocking an airplane off the Empire State Building. Yeah. She just swatted him <laughs> down. And dude, I mean, I think that this is one of the best like jokes joke buildups punchlines in all of Seinfeld it's one of my favorites and you're gonna need it it's so good I love it I I hear people reference it Um, it's just it's sort of for a time I don't know if so much now but it became a part of the lexicon for a while Mm. it was it's such a good line she delivers it fantastically and it's just such a payoff for the entire episode with for their relationship and it's like a blue joke it's it's implying that he's going to be masturbating because you know like i love the fact that they got that by the censors you know like i like that i think that's amazing and i mean i picked up on it when i was a kid and i was just like it's one of those things where you of course you're like like, oh snap exactly it's an oh snap (laughs) it's exactly that kind of moment Uh, i like how you put it like it has got great this entire episode george is talking about hand constantly hand hand that's kind of drilled into our heads for this entire episode and then at the last little bit we get the payoff of you're gonna need it and it's just like oh shit you're right that that was uh w- very very good writing yes um, i mean amazing so. right and yeah and since this storyline's over with and we're wrapping up pretty soon but i just want to say that like just the whole idea of what they're fighting about, the whole thing about the hand, yes, it's that's so applicable. Like, relationships, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to ever feel like one person has, like, more power than you. Like, a lot of times it's because of money and whatnot, you know, like, one person makes more money than the other, and, and obviously that's probably the case in, in this case. But, like... It was. It's just such a relatable feeling that the, that these two are going through, and then the fact that they could like put this just perfect terminology on it. This whole like, I got hand, I want hand, I need hand, you're gonna need hand, yada yada yada. But the, the just the fact that they were able to put this perfect like terminology there, and then at the very end just turn it into a mm-hmm. blue joke like that. I mean, that is just freaking like a grand slam, dude. Just a grand <laughs> yeah. slam out of the park. Yep. Uh, all right, so Richie walks in, and we kind of get a cross-dissolve to just, you know, what happened. We, we end up hearing about it, uh, and we get a whole little story about Pez that he had, you know, when he was younger. And now, you know, he it kind of apparently this Pez helped him uh, kind of straighten his life, and he walked into, like, a rehab clinic, and he's now hooked on Pez as opposed to drugs, <laughs> uh, which is better until he gets diabetes, that is. Um, and it ends with a very funny thing about a crossword. One, we were talking about crosswords earlier, what George was doing with her. They're doing, He's doing a crossword, and he can't do it without her because he's an idiot, and we know this. And the real punchline is, he says, what's a three-letter word for candy? We've been watching a three-letter word for candy this entire time, obviously Pez, and they don't know it. George, Jerry can't get it either. He's like, I don't know. I can't ever do these things. <laughs> um, so it, it is it is funny. It's funny wrap-up, funny through lines. Everything is interweaving with each other. And um, we end on a stand-up bit over the credits. Yep. We get a stand-up about Jawbreakers. Uh, he talks about Jawbreakers was the ultimate challenge candy. He says it's almost like uh, candy manufacturers were in their lab, and they're like, I wonder if they'll eat this. Um, and he's like, it seems pretty tough to eat. Let's make an experiment out of it. And he's like, what was the concept? Multicolored cement balls for a quarter? And he's like, let's see if they'll pay for it. And he's like, uh, uh, he says, let's see if they'll pay to be hurt, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, but he mm. talks about how he loves them, and he kind of mimes, like, sort of chewing on them. He's like, ow, ow, painful, but I still love them. It, it kind of works mostly if his, with his facial expressions and everything, but yeah. it's not as strong as the beginning stand-up. Agreed. Agreed. That was definitely a much better stand-up. Yeah. So. 
Uh, all right, we'll go into our general thoughts on the episode. Corey, how about you start us off? Yeah, dude, I would say that if that final stand-up was stronger, it would be a perfect episode. Oh, wow. I love the, the Pez Dispenser episode with all of my heart. I think it's the writing is strong. I think the acting is strong. I think all the bits are great. And I am so impressed with how interconnected everything was. And, and the fact that not a single story thread is left, like, floating in the ether, even as small as the fact that, uh, you know, Kramer is with a polar bear club, but yet he killed, he had the guy, you know, the guy mm-hmm. got killed with cold water. Like, I didn't even put that together. Like, everything is so interconnected that literally the only thing I could say that wasn't connected to anything was that guy's bloody nose. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's that, that's the only thing that True. wasn't connected to anything. And I just, I'm just impressed as all hell with how how this episode was structured and how it flowed and how everything was connected. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. And I, I... If my wife had gotten home from work a little bit earlier today, I think I might actually want to show her this episode because mm. I think this is a great standalone episode. I think you really get to see every character is in mm. a very good light, or at least you see how they are. And I think it's a great example of every character. I think it's a great episode to like kind of get somebody, like show somebody Seinfeld. It's a great example of Seinfeld, to be truthful. Um, I loved it, man. I absolutely loved it. What uh, What'd you think, buddy? Yeah, I definitely enjoyed the episode. Uh, we got some classic moments and some classic situations. Obviously, the Pez dispenser, the whole beach stuff, setting that up that we know we're going to get a payoff later, which just makes me more excited to eventually get to that episode. Um, the pouch envy joke uh, is all good, um, but no, the joke's not good, but like the whole situation is funny. Um, but to me, yeah, we get pretty much perfect sitcom writing and really the way how sitcom writing should be. Things are intertwining with each other, um, so everything feels like it should be in this episode, and you're not getting a lot of times where here's an A and a B storyline, and they're from different characters or whatever, and they don't they don't really have anything to do with each other. Here, everything somehow interacts with the other thing as well, which is great. Um, I love that we get you know George kind of being on a medium state at the beginning, and then he becomes a, he a high state at the at the middle, and then at the end he's at a low point, where, which is where we want George. We want him to be there, and so that makes me very happy. Things kind of like back to quote-unquote normal, um, which is how it should be at the end of a sitcom. You know, things should be cyclical and wrap up, you know, very neatly in 22 minutes, and this episode does that. Um, I, I To me, it's not going to be as perfect as, you know, some of those other episodes, but it has got a lot of good things going to it. So I gave it four out of five hands. Oh, oh I thought you were going to so. give it Pez dispensers. <laughs> Pez, yeah. I thought about, I thought about doing Tweety Pez dispensers, but hands just made sense yeah, to me. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> cause I'm going to need them. So the only thing that really they talked about on the behind the scenes, uh, thing for this episode was that, uh, uh, um, Jason Alexander remarked on the fact that this episode literally, like made Pez like you know they're mm. they're like basically come back into yeah. the their into stock the, yeah stock rose <laughs> yeah basically yeah and and honestly we now live in a world where where Pez is a very strong like collectible I have to yeah. imagine that it started like their you know what what we're seeing now started with the this Renaissance of, of Pez huh. <laughs> Said so the renaissance of Pez. Yes, yes. We we are living in the golden age of Pez. And I think it yeah. has, even nowadays, I think it has a lot to do with this actual episode. And I would be curious to see if, like, if the Tweety per Pez had, had like, any kind mm. of, like, higher sales than, you know, any other kind of Pez or whatever. But I, I think it's great. I loved it. So. And you know what else I love? The Blast from Our Past Network. Adam? Oh, that is a great network. (laughs) Where can we find you, buddy, online? You can find me on the Blast from Our Past Network, the BFOP Network. All right, BFOPers. So um, my brother and I do a podcast that we talk all things nostalgia from the typically 80s and 90s, but sometimes some 70s get thrown in there as well. And uh, we do TV shows, movies, album reviews, whatever the heck it is. We're pretty much talking about it, and it's fantastic. Our man Corey, who you might have just listened to on this episode – you did. Um, he joins us every now and then. He's also been on some of our exclusive Patreon episodes, and we've got some fun trivia going on in those episodes right now, each month that we're doing. So, um, uh, And I know his 
partner in crime over at PAD at the uh, Podcasting After Dark is going to be joining us for our uh, January, oh. or no, sorry, for our de- December episode coming up uh, later this month, or when when this comes, yeah, this will come out this month. Yeah. Okay, cool, nice. You got uh, you got in touch with Zach, nice, awesome. Got dude. in touch with I, Zach, so yeah. I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to hear that one, how that one goes down. And I know uh, Brett yeah. from uh, Friday Five podcast was on last month as well, so you guys, yes, yep, we <laughs> definitely, we're getting definitely everybody. So we're gonna get Zach and then hopefully we can get Eric at uh, Friday five next and then me kind of back, kind of cycling back between all of the uh, beef up network hosts yeah and when um, when you that. and John go head to head am I, do you want me to uh, to moderate that one? If, well, it'll depend if me and John go head to head if he's still champion at the time oh, he may not good be. point good point uh, yeah so we're gonna yeah. <laughs> You know, because he is he is the current champion, but he may not be um, by the time, you know, my time comes around. (laughs) So we'll see. All right. Nice. All right, but what about you, my man? I want to know all about what you are doing out there in the world. Yes, sir. You can find me, like you just said, uh, every other week on Podcasting After Dark with my buddy Zach. We actually, by the time you're hear, hearing this, we just dropped our interview with Diane Franklin, who you guys all probably know from Better Off Dead, uh, from Bill and Ted's Excellent mm-hmm. Adventure, from Terror Vision, mm-hmm. which we reviewed on the podcast. And uh, we actually released that episode for free. It's uh, We do uh, interviews on Podcasting After Dark. We do Patreon exclusive interviews. We've talked to Tony Timpone, who is uh, the uh, editor for Vangoria Magazine, like all during the late 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Uh, we talked to Tom Matthews, who was in Return of the Living Dead Part 1 and 2, and as uh, Tommy Jarvis in Friday 13th Part 6. And we also talked to Stephen Jeffries, who was Evil Ed in Fright Night. But uh, we put the, the Diane Franklin episode out there for everyone to hear on the free feed just to give you all an idea of what's going on over there so if you get a chance go check out podcasting after dark it's uh also on every podcatcher kind of like uh cartwright as well as the blast from our past and while you're Mm -hmm. out there surfing the podcatchers go check out uh friday five podcast and go check out me and my buddy tess talking about uh comic books every every week on ongoing comic book discussion podcast which we will have John on uh, probably, I think, oh, in January. Cool. Yeah, we're going to do um, – uh, I was talking to your brother. We're going to do uh, Red Sonia, Queen of Plagues trade, I believe. Oh, yeah. yeah, so he's going to be on that episode sometime in January, maybe February, uh, you know, whenever we, we release it. But, yeah, so it's, it's fun. It's a lot of cool. fun. And uh, we appreciate all the love you guys give us on this show and all the other shows. And uh, while you're surfing the networks, if you can just leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. Or just tap somebody on the shoulder and be like, hey, you like Seinfeld? we got a Seinfeld podcast for you. Check it out. There you go. <laughs> Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your proton pack and your ecto cooler. And maybe some McNugget bugs. 